FEB Think Radio. This is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotter-Janderson, Associate Professor of Finance at Mississippi College and President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Today on the program, we'll take a look at what happens to your finances when the phrase, till death do us part, does go just that way. Many marriages are ending in divorce, and splitting up finances is always the hardest part. We'll take a look at the most common pitfalls and mistakes when going through a divorce and how to plan when the split is inevitable. Also, we're looking for your personal finance questions this morning. So give us a call. The phone number is one mpb ring It's one 672 7464 Or send an email, money at mpbonline.org. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotter-Janderson, Associate Professor of Finance at Mississippi College and President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Today on the program, we're going to take a look at what happens to your finances when marriages end. When marriages end in divorce, splitting up finances is always a hard part. So we'll take a look at the most common pitfalls and mistakes when going through a divorce and how to plan when the split is inevitable. Also, we always look for your personal finance questions. So if you have anything this morning uh, that you need some help with, we would be glad to give you some assistance. Call us at one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or send an email to money at mpbonline.org. So good morning. Hope you're both doing well this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Any excitement from the weekend? What kind of excitement oh, did you I went have, to, Ryder? I went to Mistletoe Marketplace. Oh. Um, which was yeah. lovely. Yeah. Um, I think that was the first time I'd been in quite a while. Um, but Did you it buy was, anything? Good. Um, I, I, wait, this, it's where you go and buy Christmas presents, oh, Nancy, and people are tell. listening. And you okay, shouldn't, I'm sorry. Like, <sighs> okay, sorry. <laughs> no, nudge, nudge. I didn't buy anything. No, wink, nothing wink. at all. It was, no, just, just, no. Besides the, there's a pastry stand that had really good cinnamon twists. Oh, that had, that does sound yeah, and it was like half butter, um, half sugar, and a sprinkling of cinnamon, and perfect held combination to, held together with some sort of pastry. So I enjoyed it. I went down to T Bones in Hattiesburg. Uh, my brother is the director of the Hattiesburg Public Library. They had sponsored an adult spelling bee, and they asked me to be the pronouncer. So went down there and did that, had a good evening. And I was telling Ryder before the show started, I can't remember who, but someone came up to me and said, we, we like Ryder. So. <laughs> call well, in, call well, in. And, but, but Kevin, and, they, they didn't say anything about me? Well, I think the, the – no, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Also interesting uh, historical note, uh, today is uh, the uh, day that uh, the 2000 – election didn't end and I uh, wonder if anybody out there wow. Oh, wow. boy I remember that Hanging I mean chads. how contentious it was yes. and then how long it took for uh, George W. Bush to be declared the winner right. very and interesting like I said before that who, who even knew what a Chad was but after that we and we survived are. it <laughs> we survived it 
any financial news in the news? Well, we're looking at the details being proposed in this uh, tax policy change and uh, trying to figure out how uh, it will affect different people. Now, it's not law yet. There's plenty of fighting going on. Um, the uh, proposal is to lower the corporate tax rate to 20 percent, which, of course, will push business earnings uh, and help them on that side. But you have to make up that money somewhere. So one of the things on the corporate side, they're talking about reducing what they can deduct for interest charges, which could have some impact on our bond market. So we're, we're watching that. Um, on the personal side, uh, you know, certainly for my students, the loss of the student loan interest deduction mm-hmm. there could be a big deal. And considering some uh, some financial aid as income, which is really important yes, for, for us, especially students. for graduate students, yes. that's very important because a lot of people who, who take a little time getting back to school, you know, they have some sort of arrangement for it to pay for their graduate uh, school. But if that's going to be taxed, they're going to need that much more money to get right. through school. And we've talked before about, you know, you have to have a certain amount of money to run the government. So when you start talking about tax cuts, well, that means it has to come from some other place. And so now we know what those other places are. So, um, you know, let the battle begin. Oof. Also, Ryder, uh, they're electing or trying to pick a new uh, fair, uh, chairman of the Fed. Uh, what, what's up with that? Um, so it's uh, Jay Power, Jer- Jerome? Jerome. Jerome Jerome Powell, um, who I heard described as the closest thing to Yellen without being named Yellen. Uh, so fairly middle of the road, expected to kind of continue the path. We're on a um, uh, slowly raising rates, slowly winding down the Fed's balance sheet, which has been – even though the – Nobody, even even people who study this, don't really know what the Fed does and can't necessarily tell you exactly what the, how their effects are going to go into the economy. Everybody's liked to complain recently about the low interest rates and about that balance sheet. And so those are kind of being wound down because the economy is, I mean, still has steam under it. It's still, um, we had two quarters of 3% growth, um, which is... And most importantly... Um uh, growth, growth overseas is mm-hmm. doing very well, has heated back up. Um, projections for global growth have been raised to 3.7% for next year. News this morning is that Europe is looking like a bright spot. So mm-hmm. other parts of the planet are also yeah. growing and doing well. And, and if other if other places are growing, um, since we have still have a strong economy, still have goods and services that people want, then that, that also helps us as well. We're all, <laughs> we're all in this together here on planet Earth. So as Ryder pointed out, uh, not many people, I think, know what the Fed does. Uh, Nancy, give, give us a primer, if you would. Well, um, do, you, do you know? Tell us. Yeah, well, I know a little bit. Um, it has an impact on the supply of money or controls the supply mm-hmm. of money. And so um, if you remember from basic economics that the price of any good is determined by where it crosses supply and demand. And so the price of money is the interest rate rate. And so when they have an impact on the supply of money, when they increase the supply of money, that will naturally lower the interest rate. And that's what they did um, since 2008. They they were trying to boost mm-hmm. economic activity, try to get us out of that ditch. And so they drastically increased the supply, supply of money. When you have lower interest rates, what you hope is that people will have motivation to 
buy houses, buy cars, uh, take out business spend. loans, spend money, <laughs> borrow all money because of it's those cheap things. And, spend it. and uh, so we've been in a very low interest rate environment for a long time. Um, they do this. Uh, we, actually, we probably shouldn't go through this process. Um, it's really they have a number of ways of doing that. Well, <laughs> mainly, it's, mainly it's through their uh, member banks, and um, they can. Um, um, Oh gosh, this is going to get too too into the weeds. But let's just say they do increase the supply of money. It's really a bookkeeping maneuver. When you hear mm-hmm. people talking about, oh, they're printing money, they're not actually printing money. They're making some adjustments in their bookkeeping system, which uh, then pushes more money electronically out to banks, and hopefully they turn around and lend it out. You're listening to Money Talks, and today we're going to be talking about uh, finances and uh, personal relationships, uh, divorce, but also we'll talk a little bit about uh, maybe pre-planning on the front end uh, if you, uh, so that you and your spouse uh, don't have to uh, end a marriage uh, because of uh, financial uh, problems. If you'd like to uh, call in with a question or a comment, or if you have a personal finance question, uh, the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Send an email to money at mpbonline.org. So as I mentioned, you know, divorce is kind of a sad thing, an ending of, of, of something, I guess, that at one time had a lot of promise. And uh, finances is sometimes a root cause of uh, problems in a marriage. So let's start off uh, maybe positively trying to think about some things that you can do to avoid that on the front end. And I think we've mentioned this on the program a number of times is not necessarily from the first date, but if you're seriously involved with someone, finances needs to come up early. Yes, on. you need to talk mm-hmm. about that issue. And um, it is one of the main drivers for marital breakups. Um, and, um, you know, I think women in particular, we, uh, we're very focused on security and making sure our children are secure. So when that comes into question, with uh, questionable financial activities going on, that's when I see a lot of uh, women will draw the line and I'll say that's enough. And uh, maybe some ideas. I mean, do you think you should be blunt? And then again, as you, if you're getting serious with, with someone in a relationship, just lay it out. You know, what are your thoughts? Are you a good saver? You know, I mean, how do you go oh, approaching that? I think you that? need to uh, be able to look at each other's credit reports. And Ooh. yeah, yeah, you know, um, and uh, put that out there so you can see if they've had any problems in the past. Look at what their general credit scores are reading at that time and, um, you know, begin to talk about how you approach saving and spending, because that's usually where you get into trouble because we assume things. We assume, you know, well, this is the way I grew up and I think this person's going to respond and react the same way and you find that they believe totally different things yeah and i I think throughout you know throughout the process of getting to know somebody you start learning things about how they how they treat money and how they value money you know when you go on dates is somebody always you know paying buying the most expensive meals and insisting y'all keep going out and doing more and more or if you know maybe if you like going out to eat is someone always like oh, i don't i don't think we should do that or they you know even though you know they could afford it um you know how you know how do they how do they respond to the situations when they need to spend money or or can spend money and um you know you don't have to have the same habits but having your values kind of 
They got to be compatible. Well, I, my husband has a great story of his old college days and his college girlfriend, and they would go, you know, uh, to the local Sonic and get the Coke float. Mm-hmm. And he would, they would order, you know, he was very poor, college, uh, order one Coke float and split it. And, and after several times, she just looked at him. She started to cry and she said, Can I have my own Coke float? <laughs> Shortly after that, they broke up. <laughs> Let's uh, get a call in here before our first break. Gladys is on the line from Jackson. Good morning, Gladys. Good morning. Go ahead. Uh, I would like to ask uh, the question concerning uh, savings bonds. Uh, I have one I bought about 30 years ago, I guess. Uh, When I cash it, will I be charged uh, tax on on the amount that uh, interest that I've earned, but not on what I paid for it? Yes, ma'am. If you haven't been paying tax on the interest that has been accumulating, then when you cash it in, you will. Okay. Um, what is it a series EE? What series is it? What letter is on it? It's a series E. I know it's at least an E. I think it's an EE. It's probably an EE. And um, understand that they pay interest. They have a maturity. Let me back up. They have a maturity of 23 years, but they'll pay interest for another seven years. Mm-hmm. So if you're past 30 years, that's all you're going to earn. So you need to take your money and run. Okay. And I'm over uh, 84. Um, will that affect my Social Security or do I? Well, it's not going to affect your Social Security, but it could affect your overall um, tax liability because you have to look at, uh, you know, not all of your Social Security is taxed. It considers all other income. Mm-hmm. So this could have an impact. You just need to talk to your tax preparer. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Thanks for the call, Gladys. We need to take a quick break. When we get back, we will continue our discussion. We're talking about money and uh, relationships, marriage and divorce. Uh, Also looking for your personal finance questions. Give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. The phone number is 1-877-672-7464. Back with more after this. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotter-Janderson, Associate Professor of Finance at Mississippi College and President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Today we're looking at money and relationships. I thought we could take it all through sort of the uh, arc of a relationship. We talked about uh, when you first meet someone that you seem to be serious about, how, what you should find out about their finances. We'll talk about uh, maybe if you are in a marriage or a relationship, how do you uh, approach finances? And uh, eventually we'll talk about when that uh, relationship comes to an end, how to handle divorce. But we're also looking for any personal finance questions that you might have for us this morning. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. So, Nancy, you mentioned uh, as far as, you know, even uh, getting or let, um, looking at each other's uh, credit reports when, when someone, uh, a couple starts to get serious. And I would say if you find out that the, the person that you're interested in um, is does not share the same kind of approach to money management as you, it, it's, I guess it's not a deal breaker, but if you go along, you, you need, you're going to have to adjust Right, somewhat. you need some tools in order to manage those differences, and it could be that you need to sit down and talk with uh, a counselor about how to approach this. Um, for some couples, it's a matter of we don't need to put our finances together. 
Um, and so they find a way of keeping some things separate so that they each have some independence on uh, financial decisions, but then they have to at least work together on common goals. And so that's important to figure out what are those common goals. And I think uh, in previous shows, we've talked about the idea, uh, it might be a good idea uh, in any relationship, in any marriage, to have um, some separate accounts uh, because not necessarily a divorce, but if the marriage ends, one spouse dies or whatever, that you don't want to leave the other spouse sort well, of hanging. Well, certainly, um, for, for especially uh, if we have a, tra- a traditional marriage and we have uh, a wife that is staying at home, she's the homemaker, you know, she's not building towards her own Social Security. She's not building towards her own retirement at that point. So I usually encourage those women to at least open their own IRA accounts and they can do that and make sure those get funded. In the case of a divorce, it's uh, very common to then look at those 401ks, and those often get divided up. And uh, when that happens, they usually use something called a quadro, a qualified domestic relations order, so that um, if you're entitled to get half of your spouse's 401k, then that order is presented to that 401k plan, and then that is moved over to your retirement. So uh, if you're listening this morning and uh, you're in a relationship or are married and maybe are have successfully navigated financial situations, I'd love to hear uh, your success stories. Uh, so give us a call. Or if you're looking for any personal finance information, the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. Send an email to money at mpbonline.org. I guess some couples have a thing where maybe one spouse, uh, one person in the relationship is more adept at money management and they might be sort of the primary driver. But I would think maybe it's important to not have any secrecy that to, to have everybody involved in the family kind of at least know what's going on. Well, you should. You should. And, um, you know, I, I have been amazed even in running across young women who who abdicate. You know, they just still are backing off and let, letting their spouses manage all of that. And um, yes, in any couple, there's usually one person who's better at uh, some portion of that than the other. Um, but both need to be involved and need to be aware of what's going on. You don't want to be blindsided. Yeah, and and it goes both ways. I mean, we've seen couples where the man has no clue what's yes. going on, and yes. and it's not necessarily even. You know, it doesn't matter. The high earner may be the one who's clueless about finances, and the other one just handles the rest of it. But it's important for both people in a in a relationship to know what know what's going on and know generally how they treat things, um, just because. Anything can happen. I mean, it's not just divorce. I mean, you know, your spouse can be away for a while, uh, you know, on a business trip and a large bill comes up and you don't know what account to pay it out of or don't know how to handle that. Um, you know, you, one of you could die or have um, a medical emergency and for or become incapacitated in some way. And for, for one spouse to not know, I mean, they're doing a disservice to themselves to kind of not not know how to operate in the modern financial world themselves. Um, I'm going to come back to this idea with divorce. One of the um, mistakes I see a lot of people make when they're going through a divorce is they get attached to some um, uh, asset Mm. that is not liquid. Uh, Often that's the house. And so that becomes the battleground of, by golly, I want the house. And I'm always preaching, no, you want cash. 
you want cash. You can get another house. You can downsize that that uh, that house that maybe was the show place that you're hanging everything on is going to become like a rock around your neck. And what you mm-hmm. need is cash to be able to live and maneuver. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. We're looking for any personal finance questions that you might have for us today, as we usually do on a Tuesday. Also talking specifically about uh, relationships and money. We've talked about uh, things to do when you're married or in a relationship, and also we're going to be talking about when that relationship ends, uh, things to keep in mind, ways to make sure that your financial house is in order uh, after that relationship is dissolved. Uh, the number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464, send an email to money at mpbonline.org. <clears throat> so, I mean, if um, I'm not married, so I'm totally out of my element on this particular discussion, but I mean, I would guess in, in a lot of relationships, you can see the light at the end of the tunnel, that sort of thing. Maybe you know things aren't going well, and eventually you're going to end up... Not always, okay. because um, I've run into situations with couples who come in and one has been hiding everything. And it's a lot easier to do these days when you don't have um, paper statements showing up at your door. They're going to some email account, and you're opening something up online. And in some cases, I've seen parents open up uh, credit accounts in their children's names. Um, so those things can happen, and people can can not even know what is going on, not be aware of anything at all. Well, can you prepare yourself uh, financially for when a marriage or relationship comes to an end? Well, I think you, first of all, you need to have some assets in your name. So each person needs to be building their own retirement accounts. It doesn't need to be just that uh, main earner. And um, each person needs to have some access to cash and needs to have their own credit accounts so that they have some credit in their name that they can produce a good score. Also, I guess it would be a good idea to um, anticipate what your expenses would be. Uh, I mean, I guess uh, if you're in a marriage relationship, a lot of times, obviously, you're you're sharing expenses. So uh, if you know that this relationship is going to end, uh, you might want to go ahead and um, several months out or begin to know how much it's going to be to keep you going on your own. Right. Well, that is true, but um, you know, I also run into people that if if you're letting your spouse handle the day to day finances, they don't even know what the house payment is. They don't know what yeah. the car payment is. They don't know what it costs on utilities, and um, and that really is shocking to me. Well, and and one thing is that kind of your largest expenses, your house and utility sort of expenses, those are going to be completely different. Um, and so, you know, if you've lived in a house for 10 or 15 or 20 years and have been paying a mortgage, you know, you, you're probably paying a lot less to live in that house, you know, especially if it's a modest size home, you know, does the job. You're probably paying a lot less to live in that house than it would actually cost you to live out, out in the real world. Um, just because, you know, house prices and rents are going to have risen a lot over 20 years, um, so even if you even if you do have kind of a grip on your own family finances, um, seeing how that translates into the real world is going to be is going to be a whole different um, thing. Especially and if if you move, um, you know you're going to a new city. You don't you don't know what costs are like there. Um, you know smaller things. You know your you know your car is going to still be your car. You probably have a good idea there. You know your your daily kind of expenditures, your food, your gas, that sort of thing is going to 
It's going to be similar, but your your really big ones are actually going to be the hardest ones to kind of figure out what it's going to be like in the future. And um, insurance needs, in particular health mm. insurance, when you're talking about um, a, a couple that is divorcing, um, because often one person has the entire family on a health insurance policy through an employer. So if they don't have access to that anymore, then now that spouse um, has to, to get insurance uh, on his or her own. So those are things to think about. This is Money Talks, and in addition to talking about uh, money and relationships this morning, we're looking for your personal finance questions. We've got some open phone lines, so if you need some assistance, please give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. Six seven two seven four six four. You can email the show money at mpbonline.org. If it's uh, saving for retirement, maybe you're interested in investing, uh, credit situations, uh, whatever personal finance matters are on your mind. If you have uh, a question, just give us a call. We'll be uh, try to give you the best uh, information that we can. And, and I guess <clears throat> what the actual there is an actual cost involved with a divorce. I guess paying lawyers that sort of thing. That I guess that has to be factored in. Um, or is it I, again? I'm like well, completely. Well, I, I think there is a one. cost to that, but I think that's minor compared to what happens when you you know you have one household. Maybe you have two incomes supporting this one household with the children. So now, if you split the household, and so now you each have single earners, each supporting their own separate household. Um, we know that. And it's mainly women who end up um, in a situation where they have lower earnings, they have children, they may get child support, but it's not going to be enough to cover all the needs, who usually find their um, income situation much less than it was before. Let's take a quick break. When we get back, we will continue discussions on money and uh, relationships, also looking for personal finance questions. A reminder of our phone number, it's one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 You can also email the show money at mpbonline.org. Back with more after this. a sustaining member of MPB Think Radio. We appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, Associate Professor of Finance at Mississippi College and President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. We've been talking about uh, money and relationships this morning, also looking for your personal finance questions. To join the conversation, give us a phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can also email the show money at mpbonline.org. Got a caller on the line, so let's welcome Gary from Canton into our conversation. Good morning, Gary. Good morning. How are you all doing? Doing good. What do you have for us? I got two questions here. I got um, uh, a little settlement from um, a job. It's like a a retirement fund. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to see what do I need to put it because I try to make every December – 
for the last two years, they've been sending to me, sending to me. So I'm trying to figure out now. I I wanted to do it yesterday, put it into something, but the guy was taking me so fast, and I don't like going fast. And I, I would like to see what kind of suggestion with y'all think I should do with it. It's it's a little bit more than fifty thousand dollars. So, uh, is 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 that like a? Could you take that as as a rollover, or is that actually just a, an income distribution from like a pension? Yeah, it's like a pension from a retirement fund. Okay, and, and they're so, trying to go to a four one within. They said within the four to five years, but if I want to cash out, I can cash out. Okay, um, I think he still should be able to do a rollover. Okay, so it sounds like you could, if you don't need the money right now. It sounds like you can probably put that into an IRA, which is an individual retirement account. And mm-hmm. so whoever whoever's talking with you, I mean, you should be able to stop them and say, hey, can I put this in an IRA? Um, and so that way you wouldn't have to pay the taxes immediately on that because when you take something like that, you have to pay income taxes. And especially right. an amount like that, you're gonna that's going to bump you into a higher tax bracket. You're going to pay a lot of taxes on that. Um, and so when you put it into an IRA, um, you can just invest that, you know, given, you know, tr- you know, find a, find a fee only advisor or someone to work with to, to get you set up investing that, um, don't do an annuity, whatever you do, <laughs> do not do an annuity. Right. Um, so just put it in at a brokerage, open a brokerage account at, you know, like a Schwab, a TD Ameritrade, Fidelity, um, open an IRA have it have it moved into that account. You'll have you typically have to have that account open with an account number so you can tell them where to send that money, and then just get that invested. Uh, you know, in in a portfolio of stocks and bonds that's appropriate for you. I know that's a very vague and large thing to say, but um, you know, work with an advisor who can kind of talk about what your future income needs are going to be, when you're going to need this this money. Um, again, you know, finding a fee only advisor, finding someone. You know, who just even if you just want them to help you set it up and just kind of talk with you about how you would approach that. Um, um, Gary, how old are you? Fifty eight. Fifty eight. OK, so you're nearing the point of retirement. So um, as Ryder said, it, this is going to depend on on what your needs are. So you're probably going to be what we call a balanced account. You'll have some bonds and some stocks and you'll use um, mutual funds or exchange traded funds to help you with that and and get it started for you. And so that's going to um, be sort of your backup as you head towards retirement. But you need some growth on it. Let me ask you this here. Uh, The bank, one of the banks I deal with, they got an investment group and they want me to talk to them they never did call me back last year either, you know, mm. in time. Okay. Well, um, you do need somebody you can sit down and talk to. And the other thing is if somebody, you know, and this is what we do in our business. We have our own language, and sometimes we forget when we're just rattling stuff off. So when you're talking to somebody and you don't understand what they're talking about, stop them. And say, wait a minute, explain what this is to me. And make don't put your money into something until you really understand all the details. Right. Yeah, that that's very important. And I will say this every time is um, y- you can always ask questions because an advisor always wants uh, their their client. They want you to be comfortable with what you're reputable invested. advisors and, do. Well, right. And, and they want you to be comfortable with it and they want you to understand it 
as much as you want to, as much as you can, because, you know, I, I can I can assemble the best portfolio in the world for someone. I can say this is this is perfect. This is this is going to last you forever. But if you if you don't understand it or if you're not comfortable with it, then you're going to make the wrong decision at the wrong time at some point, And that's just going to mess up the whole thing. Um, so, so it's very important to me, uh, that people be comfortable and understand what they have and, and a good advisor that you, that you like, that you enjoy, that you can work well with. They'll understand that and they'll want that. They'll want the same for you. Is it too late being that I'm 58 years old? To no, no. You still have a long life to live. And so you need that money to keep growing for you. Just because you're going to start, you know, maybe you know when you retire, kind of, you know, kind of soon, you might start withdrawing some money. You still have plenty of years where you need that money to keep growing, so it'll keep supporting you. Okay. All right, Gary. All right, thanks. All right, thank you. Thanks. Right. Good to hear from you, Gary. Thanks for the call. Let's move on. Next, we've got uh, William in Starkville. Good morning, William. Go ahead, please. Good morning. I've got two comments that uh, that I want to make, and the second one's the most important. I've, I've just visited with friends in Europe, and uh, uh, we were talking about the fact that it's been shown that trickle down that Reagan's trickle down economy uh, didn't work effectively, and he pointed out that that having heavy taxes, uh, as they do in Europe, in, generates greater effort on the part of the of the uh, entrepreneurs and the ordinary laborers to get a better job to study harder to work harder to get a better job and i just wonder if uh, nobody thinks about that here and and we're talking about tax relief for the for the wealthy one percent of of millionaires and billionaires here now and i just think that this is something worth uh, considering but the most important thing i think that nobody mentions, and I don't expect that your program here will mention it, uh, and should, my feeling, when we talk about tax relief, and it's always going on, when we've got trillions of dollars of infrastructure needing work on it here, and trillions of dollars owed in, in uh, loans to the Chinese and others, how can you? How can we talk about tax relief when we should be increasing taxes so we can write off those loans and improve the infrastructure? Because who's going to have to build that, rebuild that infrastructure, and build those loans that that we caused, that we created the the, the uh, failure of the infrastructure, and our children, our students, our grandchildren are going to have to pay it off, and nobody gives any consideration. I've heard it once in the past uh, six months, this sort of reference, and I think it should be pushed. I tell every student I meet, I'm a former teacher, I tell every student I meet that they should form an organization of, of students, high school and college students across the country, to make their voices heard. Anyway, I, I wish somebody pick up on this point because i think it's criminal that we pass this debt we live high and fat and handsome and pass this debt on to the innocent children that don't have any appreciation of what they're stuck with 
All right, uh, William, thanks for the call. Any any thoughts? Well, I would say, you know, if you're looking at tax policy, I'm going to start with you have to decide what do you want government to be. And then based on that, how much does it cost? And that's been our problem. We know what we want. We want Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid and strong defense, but we are not covering all the costs for that. Um, so to cover the cost, you have to introduce taxes or higher taxes. Um, it is generally accepted economic principle that you do not uh, lower taxes at a time of economic expansion, which is what we're in now. And in fact, that would be the time that you could raise taxes to generate more revenue. You lower taxes when you're in recession to try to stimulate the economy. But you got to pay for government. And then the second part of it is you will develop that policy that um, then hopefully encourages economic growth. And that's the idea behind pushing more money out to lower income because uh, a dollar in somebody's pocket who makes a lower income is more likely to be spent than someone who has a lot of money. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so you covered a lot here. And I would just say kind of on the thought of, you know, ways of looking at how, how does tax – uh, policy affect the economy, like you said, trickle down. You know, the idea there was, you know, give these companies, give these uh, wealthy people, give give people a tax break, and it will trickle down to people who need it. But that it, it's not exactly how it works because it takes it takes a lot of support and it takes a lot of investment to get a person to the point where they can be a productive uh, member of society. You can't just throw you know a newborn into the economy and be like, yeah, hey, yeah, he'll go found a business and be a billionaire soon. It's not how it works. You know, you have to you have to educate them. You have to expose them to these other things. You have to make sure they have the infrastructure available so that they can have access to the goods that they need or the clients that they need. You have to do all of those things, and that takes a lot of money. Um, one thing that we see, <clears throat> a little a difference between uh, the U.S. and Europe, uh, since we do have a more federal system of government, we have a lot of ways that the federal the federal government isn't out here, you know, patching potholes. Um, they're not they're not kind of getting into the weeds on you know how how our water system is going to work or something like that. Um, they pass those on you know down to states and on down to municipalities. That's who handles those things. Um, so we, since. Since we have the different layers of funding and the different ways of funding, that's. Um, may be problematic for for us in some ways. Uh, it's how we like it. Um, it's how we've traditionally been. It's kind of how we were set up originally. But it does, that is a way that kind of Europe, you know, if they want a larger project, um, it's, it's done at a higher level. Um, pretty much all infrastructure projects are done at a higher level there, and it's just a lot easier for them to build and maintain that. Um, well, see. and I would say, um, especially with this new proposal, <clears throat> that – Everybody should get out there and try Build to understand. Well, oh, so, <laughs> no. Oh, wait, try to understand what the proposal is and how that will impact you and your neighbors and make an informed decision. And I will also say um, this is one of the things that we look at when we look at uh, issues of income inequality. We find that the variable that has the biggest impact is education. And Ryder mentioned that, um, that that's really important. And then I'd also say to you, I am constantly preaching to my college. <laughs> 
college students <clears throat> to get involved, to pay attention. Um, it's not in their nature at this age, but it is important because, as this caller said, they're going to be inheriting uh, that budgetary mess. And and I will say this has come up a couple of times today with the uh, the – they're calling it tax reform, but they're also wanted to call it the Cut, Cut, Cut Act. So I think it's actually not tax reform. It's tax cuts. But one of the things they're doing is limiting deductions. Um, and But that that's not necessarily the thing that makes taxes hard and complicated because if you're just limiting the deduction, you still have to figure things out there. Um, so someone called in earlier about you know how does the interest on this savings bond affect my taxes. That's the complicated things about taxes. You look at the first page of your 1040, there's 10, 15, 20 lines of income. There are 20 different ways you can calculate your income or sources of income. And some of those have entire other worksheets that you need to fill out for us. That's the complicated thing about uh, taxes is figuring out, okay, what is earned income? What is, what is wages? What is, what is dividends? What is tax free dividends? What, what is, um, you know, what is the taxable part of my alimony or the taxable part of my IRA withdrawals? Is some of my IRA withdrawal not taxable? All these sort of things make it complicated. And so to to really be able to kind of meaningfully lower your taxes at a higher uh at a higher income rate, you know, so very wealthy people. You know, you can structure things as corporations. You can move things offshore. You can do things in all sorts of different ways. And those are just things that are typically not available to us. So when you're talking there, you know, that's that's how most most tax changes, they, you know, the benefit will accrue to people who have the money to figure out how to get around them. So that's a, a very good point of yours. All right. Uh, <clears throat> William, thanks for that. Uh, some, uh... Phew. In, in, interesting yeah. discussion generated there. We need to take a final oh, break do a whole show this hour. <laughs> when we get back, we will wrap up Money Talks. We're looking for your personal finance questions this morning at one eight seven seven mpb ring one 672 Back to end up the show after this. Information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests in the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, Associate Professor of Finance at Mississippi College and President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Uh, we've been talking a little bit about uh, money and relationships this morning, also taking some personal finance questions. Uh, before the break came up, we uh, our discussion veered uh, slightly towards taxes, and I think we have another caller who wants to address that, and it's Andrew from Natchez. Good morning, Andrew. Go ahead, please. Good morning. I had one comment and one question. Um, my comment was, I don't think, I don't know how a lot of other people think, but the people I interact with, you know, we're basically not for raising taxes because we have no idea what the government's doing with our money. It's not like our 
bills that we have to have a budget and know where the money goes. The average citizen has no idea where their taxes are going. And the question I have for you is where we live, we have a appointed school board and the voters have voted down a tax increase, but the board had um, set a tax increase. And I thought that you cannot be taxed, like you need taxation. You can't be taxed without representation. And I just was wondering about that. And uh, thank you. Bye-bye. Well, I would say on the first comment about, you know, average citizens don't know, and I, I think that's probably true, but I would say to you there are resources out there that show exactly what the government is spending money on. And so you can look up that information, and I would encourage you to do that and to see. And I think it's very helpful. I have some things I show my students that uh, uh, may show it by a graph or a box that shows the bigger the box, the bigger the, the slice of the budget this thing takes up. And so you clearly see what really is sucking up our uh, revenues. Uh, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, um, defense, and interest on the debt. Those are the five things that eat up uh, basically all the money that we're collecting. And that's the reason we're going into debt because everything else, like running our national parks or helping with roads and infrastructure, um, that gets left by the wayside. And so maybe what we need to do is talk more and educate people more about what the money is being used for And once you start to realize that maybe you are getting some personal benefits out of it, um, it it becomes more palatable. We'll put it that way. I mean, nobody likes to pay taxes, but I think it's back to what do you want government to be? We can't all agree on everything, but there are some common things that we will land on. And the biggest problem is we have an aging population, and that's what is Mm -hmm. derailing our budget more than anything else. And so as that baby boom generation um, steps into retirement. I'm part of that group. It is just like that big old thing going through the snake, you know, that you've got to yeah. get it all the way through. And um, we're still left with a problem with too few workers supporting um, older retired people who are on Social Security and Medicare and even Medicaid because the large portion of Medicaid goes to um, elderly people in some sort of nursing home situation. So that's where our issue is. And so, and you know, I, I want those people to have that support. I'm glad my parents have Social Security and Medicare available because it means I'm not sitting down and writing a check every month. And because of that support that they have, there's going to be something to pass down to other generations. Um, I think that's a good point. You know, people do like to know where their money is being spent. And a lot of times, especially on the federal level, it's very hard to see where the money is spent. You know, if you think about it, you know, start in, uh, start on a personal level. You know, you know your paycheck coming in. You know what you spend it on. You know exactly how it benefits you. Um, so look at, a, at your family level. You know, you, you, you kind of know how much money your family makes and you see, you see how other family members spending is kind of benefits you. You know, I'm part of it is if someone else is happy, then you're happy too. Um, and then you can look on, you know, your city or your county or your state level and you can see, 
a li- it's a little get- it gets a little bit harder to see. Okay, my money goes to this, this, and and what else? It's going to support this, which I don't interact with. I don't see that money. Um, but then you get to the country level of three hundred thirty million people, and it's just like there are three hundred thirty million other people who are benefiting, and maybe in some small way from money you have paid in. And like Nancy said, a lot of that is um, is the aging population. We have uh, basically promised to take care of once people hit a certain age to take care of um, a, a, a modest income and their health care. And that uh, with people living longer and longer, it's getting a lot more expensive than we originally anticipated. Um, so if you're thinking about where your taxes go, I guess look around and try to find some older people. Well, um, and, and I would also say to you, if you want to try to understand um, about how money is being spent, you need to learn about accounting. You need to learn to be able to look at financial statements. And um, and so then you can see what is happening. And it really is helpful. And I also would say to Andrew from uh, Natchez, pick up Dave Wessel's book that was printed a couple of years uh, ago called Red Ink. It's a very short, easy to read book that explains the national budget. Um, also, we are very fortunate in Mississippi. We receive a lot more in tax benefits, even if it's hard to see them sometimes than we actually pay in. I believe um, three dollars for every one we send in I, about that. It's it's a generous amount more. It's a great paying your tax is a great return on investment for Mississippians. Um, but to address your other question about um, th- this is getting a little further away from finance about how kind of uh, political entities are structured. Um, so a school board, you do have input. I'm not sure if it's done exactly the same way. For instance, in Jackson up until about a week ago, the school board was uh, appointed by the mayor. So through our mayoral elections, we would influence, you know, what we thought of, you know, our school board. So, you know, if I've, I would vote for someone who I agreed with his view on the school board, or, you know, if I voted for someone who I didn't agree, then I would kind of understand that I would be putting people onto the school board. I didn't agree with, um, but they, I believe they just do, uh, their votes on tax increases, I believe are, and someone can call in and correct this anytime. Um, they're somewhat advisory because, uh, taxes, uh, property taxes are collected on the county level. Um, so while they do have taxing authority, um, I, I, I don't think it's a hundred percent. And as far as the referendums go, um, that I believe differs from from school board to school board, um, and again, those came, those may just be advisory votes um, and not and not binding votes. So, but that's that's getting into political structure, which we don't really discuss too much. All right, <clears throat> that's going to wrap us up for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from you, our listeners. If you need to hear today's show or previous show. One way to find it is to go to mpbonline.org slash money talks. You can also download the MPB public radio app and listen to uh, MPB Think Radio on your iPhone or your Android phone on your schedule. Our show is produced by Java Chapman, and our call screener today was Rosemary Lewis. So for Nancy Lotter-Janderson and Ryder Taff, I'm Kevin Farrell. Stay tuned. Up next at 10, it's In Legal Terms. We'll be back next Tuesday at 9 for another Money Talks, heard only on MPB Think Radio.